Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Elite, the podcast that serves the Elite Ice Hockey League. While we wait patiently for any kind of meaningful action, we're going to take one more look back at the recent World Championships Division 1A tournament in Nottingham with something of a unique perspective. Ice Hockey UK's media man Chris Ellis was in the thick of it throughout what turned into an incredible week as Great Britain won the gold medal, winning all their games and sealing a return to the top flight of the championships, meaning a trip to Czechia in 2024. So let's get the real inside story of that week at the Motorpoint Arena as Chris takes us into the GB camp one final time. This is Elite. Chris, welcome back onto the show. Good to talk to you again. We spoke in the aftermath of the playoff weekend last month, but at least now, as we speak, you've had a couple of weeks to reflect on the World Championships. So have you managed to detox and recover for what has been a busy few weeks for you? Uh, I mean, I think I'm still on a high. I mean, what a what a magical moment, which you know, which I'm sure we'll we'll go into detail in in the coming minutes. But it, it was it was fabulous. It, it was absolutely fabulous, and and I'm still taking it all in now. And I think the the one thing I will say off the bat is GB have created some amazing moments for 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 us as as fans and followers. There was the moment of Robert Farmer's goal in in Hungary in 2018, Ben Davis's goal in 2019 in the top flight as we came from three 0 down to to win four three. But but this was just a series of moments. The whole the way the week built to the crescendo to beat Italy, almost sold out crowd. It it, it was amazing to see, um, and, and yeah, there there were so many aspects to it that that were amazing. But I, but I think that was it to do it on home ice, to do it in front of nearly six thousand people, to have the players and support staff have their families there to see it. It, it was all sorts of magical, Craig. So I suppose you've kind of answered my next question. How do these championships compare with, with previous ones from a media point of view, if you want to look at it that way? Well, I mean, I mean going to compare, you know, I, I kind of did answer it there. And it, and it is, it, it's not one moment. And, and as I said, you, you've got those standout moments, the moment that Farmer scored, the moment that Ben Davies scored, that they are standout moments. But but this is is right up there. And I think, you know, when we reflect on it a few a few months on, this is probably the... The, is it the best of them? I I don't know. I mean, there's, there's many things you can pull apart from that. You know, GB, when they got promoted in, in Hungary, 
They went there as six seed and they defied the odds. When they stayed up, they defied the odds. What's interesting, I think, about this one and why I like this one so much is for the first time in a while, the pressure was on Great Britain. And it was always interesting to see how they'd react. They were expected to go up. People anticipated they would go up. And they delivered under that pressure. They had some creaking moments where they came through against Poland, you know, when, when things weren't going their way. They won in overtime. Even against Lithuania, when they didn't play that well, they got the points. And then Italy. Don't forget, this is a really, really good Italy team who have been in the top rankings of, of the WITF World Rankings for a while now. So this one, to me, stands out. But in answer to your original question, from the media side of things, it, it was fabulous to kind of host a tournament for the world's media. There was media from nearly all the nations, especially from Poland. I will say now, I'm thrilled that Poland went up because not only did they have great backing in the stands, they had a good following of their media and they were very passionate about their team. So so Poland will be a great addition to the, to the top flight. But yeah, going back to what I was saying, to, to host the tournament in the UK, in, in the glare and in the spotlight media-wise, you know, it was fantastic. So as the host country, and I'm curious to know this, are there extra duties you need to perform as, as the host country from your point of view in the media? Does it become incumbent of you to look after your counterparts from the other nations? Yeah, I mean, that was basically it. I mean, we we had a media room that, you know, you'll know the layout well, Craig, of the of the Most Point Arena. We had, we had a media room just around the back of the, uh, at the ice level. It's what's called the green room. It's It's where... It's a massive room split into two. That that was the media room split into two with seating and and wired internet and, and um sorry Wi-Fi and wired uh, PowerPoints. That was one room. Another room was a room for press conferences. And, and then the way it was laid out, it actually worked great for the media. Although they were not on the center line, they were sat right behind the goal because that's the way it worked with the plan with not having to take too much seating out the uh, arena. We already had to take a little bit of seating out to have the camera platforms and the the TV commentators. So in order not to take any more prime seats to supporters, it was decided that we'd have the, the, the media zone where the journalists sat was behind the goal. So they were on two levels of stages behind the goal, which was great for them, almost on top of the ice. And then behind that, behind a, a curtain, which hosted the flags at the top, which people couldn't see, was, was a mix zone, which for people who don't know what that is, it's where reporters go and get their interviews post-game uh, and all the players from each team after every game were, were uh, mandatory from the WHF. They had to walk through the mixed zone. The reporters then grabbed whoever they wanted and then the players were free to go back to their dressing rooms. So, you know, that's just a real kind of small little bit about what it was all about. But no, we had um, some superb help from from uh, Geraldine and, and Carol uh, running the media room with with the usual suspects in my media team who were helping out. Great help as, as usual to, to Craig Simpson as well, who, who, you know, we kind of, a lot of us wore two hats, wore GB media hats, but also tournament media hats. We'll talk about your, your team a little bit after. But again, with everything that's going on in the arena, you would have had requests from people outside the arena, like me, for example, certain Scottish <laughs> people looking to get access to players for a certain podcast. So how did you manage to juggle all that as well? Because I dare say you would have had a few requests um, from out with the, the, the arena as well. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it was just a case of, of making sure everyone gets what they want. I mean, it, we, it's it's an interesting situation in that the people who aren't there are just as valuable to me as people who are there. People who are in the building, great, you know, they're experiencing it firsthand. We had some some great support from 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 a lot of people. You know, Paul Newman from the Daily Mail, who's become a, a real. I mean, he's always been a supporter of Great Britain ice hockey, but in, in recent years, he's given us some fantastic coverage. He's he's a very busy man with being one of the cricket correspondents for the Daily Mail, but he has a massive passion in, in ice hockey. And, and he was down the, the first weekend and, and then following the tournament from afar, but still providing match reports. As you say, people like yourself, you know, doing stuff, you know, externally from from podcasts. We we had, you know, Phil Harrison from the, the Yorkshire Post popped down, down to see us. You know, and Pete Spencer as well from BBC Radio Sheffield, just to, to name a couple of people who were who were in the building, you know, covering the tournament with, with their angle on it, which is you know a very different angle to what we were doing for, for Great Britain. But they had, you know, Sheffield angle to do it from, of course, and and, and things like that. Like you said, you had a, a Scottish angle to, to look at it. So it, it was great. It was great to, you know, I'm not going to deny it. it was very busy, but it was great to obviously you put the usual GB media output, but, but also to, to kind of help the you know, the, the local and the international uh, media get what they needed from the tournament as well. So talk about your team then. Off the top of my head, you've got Dean Willie, the photographer. I know Dean quite well, great guy, you know, always does a great job. Sophie Rouse, I've not had the pleasure of meeting, but her work on social media is outstanding. And I know you work with her uh, with Nottingham Panthers as well. Craig Simpson, who you mentioned, does a lot of stuff around as well. There could be more that I, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but talk about their roles a wee bit and how you all function as one. It's it's a great question. I mean, it was it's it was a more expanded team, but but that was because we we had double IHF duties as well. I mean, again, it's requirements from the double IHF that you have to have now. I mean, it has been for years. You have to provide a photographer. You know, you you have to provide a separate photographer for the tournament. So we actually had, you know, we we did really well in the week in terms. I'll start with photography. Dean Woolley, as you say, you know, everyone knows Dean Woolley. I think most people around UK ice hockey know Dean. He's a great character, one of my best friends, and and you know, a, such a talented photographer. He was down as the official Great Britain photographer. Uh, Hayley Roberts, who is his uh, sidekick, I guess, in Sheffield, she popped down a bit as well for the tournament, which was fantastic. So we were able to utilise some shots, which you may have seen from the roof uh, on the on the final day. Oh, uh, yeah, rather they, her than me. <laughs> you know, they, yes, the, the, not a chance. Uh, many times I heard people on the media team talk about going on that roof. I was like, not a chance am I going anywhere near <laughs> Um, so yeah, so it was there, but also as I was saying, the double IHF photographers. So so uh, Carl Denham and, An and Adam Goldson, who obviously I know from the Nottingham Panthers, who, who work as Panthers Images, they actually cover the tournament of the double IHF because they they have requirements for not just the double IHF in terms of supplying them with photos for their website, but what they do then goes into a Dropbox to be used by all the other nations as well. So you'd had you know you had the media people from Poland who would come across and go, oh we've not had you know we want to make sure that we've got this photo and and so there was a dropbox that, that you know that was created so their role was to to get the, the the photos out to the double ihf and to make sure that the other media in the tournament if they didn't have a photographer with them uh got photos as well as you mentioned sophie rouse i mean what what can i say 
about Sophie Rouse. She is just outstanding for, for 19 years of age and, and just gets better and better. It's no surprise. She's away with the double IHF now working at the top flight world championship. She's an outstanding talent. She's brilliant at what she does. Uh, and she was brilliant for us. And, you know, she dual rolled there. She worked for GP, but also supplemented the double IHF, you know, away from, from GB. And then you mentioned Craig Simpson, Craig kind of myself from him, just kind of dual rolled as GB media officers uh, and tournament media officers, whether that meant doing interviews, doing pieces to cameras, writing pieces for the website, helping support with social media with Sophie or manning the media room, say, with the help of Carol and Geraldine or manning the mix zone, you know, because there was probably sometimes six, seven, eight, nine, ten interviews that needed to be done by either ourselves uh, or the world's, or the, you know, the world's media, you know, from Poland or from Italy, Lithuania, Romania. Um, no, not many from from Korea, as you could probably understand. And then, of course, the 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 TV side, you know, in terms of the the, the GB, Ice Hockey UK TV output, which clearly kind of it doubled over as well until the the this, the stuff that the fans saw on the screen so you know it won't surprise me you know to hear that Dave Burnham and Liam led this as part of the the vision mix team and uh again that was fantastic again not just the content that you should saw on uh YouTube but, but also maybe getting a bit of content that that maybe uh via play needed or the BBC needed or something and, and then uh the stuff from the jumbotron you know the, the match night presentation led by Ken feast and, and the say and the team at vision mix that was something that we tried very differently we had we had a an MC in the stands as well, which was a guy called Dan, who was, was fantastic. So it was much kind of the media's role to put on like the usual media stuff that you and I would probably, you know, know is all traditional media stuff, but also in the bowl as well. So, you know, there was, there was a good team. It was, it was great. And, and I say everyone did, did, you know, the, the team on the ice were absolutely outstanding and the office team, but I'm super proud of the media team. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Now, during the course of the week, there's always a couple of rest days to allow the players to recharge their batteries and get ready for the, the next game. Do those apply to you guys in the media and the rest of the off-ice team? Is there no such thing as a rest day um, when it comes to these competitions for media? Not really. I mean, there was, I guess various members of the media team had, had times of rest. But if I think to the, the first rest day... That was team photo day for all six teams. So so Carl Denham and uh, Adam were both at the rink from 
and 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 from oh 7 30 because the first people on the ice that day were the officials and while they weren't using their ice to have any training sometimes they do i see it a lot less recently i think the higher the level there's less you know the the, the officiating coaches see less need for training as it were but they wanted their team photo so i think the first team photo was 8 15 in the morning and and the last one was was seven at night so so carl and adam were kept busy with that obviously dean woolley uh was uh doing it for gb as well he's very very meticulous about his team photo and and plans go out the, the night before with uh where anyone's gonna stand so he knows exactly what he's gonna do he, he he's done this for three or four years now where he absolutely knows where he wants everyone to stand it's all done on size order and and, and obviously so it's symmetrical i'm just trying to think was it the italians or the koreans i think it was the Korea. the only team that outdid him was korea i think it was korea who not only came with a plan of names but also a photo of how they want it to look from previous years they actually managed to get a photo of, of how a previous one have looked but no deemed attention to detail is superb so obviously he did the gb one as i mentioned carl and adam did the uh did all the other teams and obviously the, the various members of the media team just needed to help on our, you know on and off the ice the benches uh, and and things like that just for the photographs just little jobs like that and then on the second rest day the Stanley Cup arrived in town and, and did, got yeah. into the GB dressing room and then was at a a dinner in the evening as well in, in the spotlight bar at the uh, Motor Point Arena so no there there is no rest day and there's never really a rest day for the players i mean you know, sometimes the coach will give them a day away from the rink, but, you know, they'll maybe go to work out, you know, at a gym or, you know, use the hotel facilities. Uh, but but you are writing saying that, that rest day is not a thing in, in World Championship hockey. <laughs> what about the team, though? You know, aside from what they achieved through the, that fantastic week and speaking to the, the numerous players I did through the course of the, the tournament, the sense of togetherness you got from them really stood out whenever they, they spoke. So from your point of view, witnessing that firsthand must be one of the real perks of the job when you see, you know, a group of guys come together the way they do. It's an absolute privilege. And, and you know, I say that every year, it's an absolute privilege to to see that firsthand, to see what it is that that makes these these guys tick it's 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 so it's so hard to really pinpoint into words and and I feel when I try and put into words I, I can be so rambly but you know there is something so special you know you often hear people go we're close knit group of players and and it, you just think oh you're just saying it because you know that's what fans want to hear and and, and that's what you know but but it's just true the, this bunch of players they they would die for each other you know, where, and they all say they admit it openly. Playing for GB is their is their best time of of the year. You know, they might win a, a huge trophy with their domestic team, but nothing comes to to doing what what they do with Great Britain. And and look, we've got a super talented nation. There's a bunch of super talented players in that squad, but but they also know that by and large they're they're an underdog. They they as I say they probably weren't for the first time this year. And I, I think they thrive on that. And I've said before that they don't take themselves seriously in terms of the moment the puck drops you know, they are as professional as they come. But in and around the tournament, they, they don't take themselves like serious prima donnas, not one of them in the dressing room. And that was why in 2019 in Slovakia, the world's media fell in love with them and, and were obsessed with them. And, and I remember coming talking to you before, you know, about how the media just couldn't get enough of them. Mm. And just, you know, they still do bombs away where they, they chuck pucks up on their sticks and see whose head it lands on. 
And just a little anecdote from 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 a from from the dressing room tunnel. Uh, sorry, from the tunnel ahead of one game. I think it was it's either Lithuania or Romania, and they're all in there. Moments to go, and I think it's Liam Kirk says something like, "Keep it professional, lads." And then Matthew Myers just chirps up and goes, "Let's be honest, Kirk, you're the only one who does this properly for a living." And and it was just a fantastic comment, and and, and it's. And it's not to put themselves down. It's just it's a compliment to Kirky, isn't it? To show he's the one playing at the you know the biggest of levels in in the you know in the top flight in Finland. He got that NHL entry level contract. It's it just some it sums up you know a quip like that just sums up what they're all about. You know that that puck drops they mean business, but they don't take themselves seriously, and they're a pleasure to be around. Definitely, and it makes your job easier as well. And I know, in my years in the game, I've known these guys through the years, so it's easy for me to contact them. And more often than not, they will come and speak to me, which is, you know, obviously very good of them. But when you're in that environment, knowing the guys, knowing that you've got that rapport with them, just makes life so much easier too. It, it really does, and and I mean, it's it's hats off to them. You know, we we ask a lot of the guys sometime, you know, to stay behind on the ice to film something and, and there's never a grumble, you know, not at all. We, we had a lot of filming commitments for various reasons behind the scenes on, on, on this tournament, including a, a fantastic piece that, that piece that Mike Bushell came down and, and went out on, on BBC breakfast. And we were very grateful to him to coming down. But, but again, a lot of some of the filming meant guys hanging around, but you know, they, they know the importance, you know, that they know the importance of what five minutes on BBC breakfast means to this sport that they, they love. And, and as you say, it's, it's just credit to them that, that they will get, you know, we as a media team, whether it's going to be interviews that we do social media, that the Sophie does, you know, we'll ask them time and time again, and, and there's never any complaints. You know, they do it with a smile on their faces and, and, and it, it's, it, I say it, it makes our job so easy. And, and as a media team, we're so grateful for that. And on the, the last night, the Friday night against Italy, you know, in among the celebrations, gold medals and what have you, they had the, the, the caveat that it was Jonathan Phillips' last game as well as a professional player. His retirement, you could see what it meant to him, the emotion in his face. We can all still see it in, in our minds now. What was it like being part of that too? It was very emotional and, and there was some, you know, there's unseen bits as well. And I think I've seen mention to it since, but but there was a presentation, you know, the guys got together and had their own personal presentation for for Jonathan Phillips in the dressing room before the game. And, and Davy Phillips, you know, gave a, a speech. You might not think of Davy as, as one for a sort of speech that, that's emotional, but I tell you what, it was a very emotional speech for, from Davy, who spoke superbly. Uh, um, there was emotion for him and emotion for Jonathan and for a, a lot of the, the guys in, in that dressing room. So, you know, that happened before the game. Obviously, GB go out and, and win that gold medal. And then obviously that, that little bit of love after the game with another excellent video from, from Vision Mix Productions that, that, that obviously gave a, a, a brief snapshot of Jonathan Phillips' career. And, and it was lovely. His family were, were there with him all week and, and they're able to experience those moments on the ice after the game. So it, it was, it was you know, it was an emotional time, before, you know, just, just the whole roller coaster of the tournament, but especially that day with the gold medal and, and Jonathan's, you know, retirement. So I'm going to put you on the spot slightly here, Chris. Can you think of the funniest moment um, from from your work uh, over that over the course of that week? Is there something that sticks out that still makes you smile as you look back? 
you are putting me on the spot and I'm no good Sorry. at remembering. I mean, obviously that that Matthew Myers comment, you know, just, just made me chuckle. We I just finished doing a, a piece to camera in, in the tunnel for, for use on our Ice Hockey UK TV. And again, that's literally like 30 seconds before they're they're about to come out on the ice. I'm rubbish at remembering, Craig. While we keep talking, I'll maybe think of one. Um, but but yeah, we, we we have our funny moments on every trip. Usually, when uh, when Dean Wood is involved, that there's something quite funny going on. Um, off the top of my head, right now, I I'm I'm struggling, but there will be something. So I'll keep thinking. <laughs> a couple more questions to go on to next year and check here. Um, so, how does your duties look for the next few months? When obviously we'll find out when the tournament is where GB are going to be based, who they're going to be playing as well. Um, how's that going to look for you in the next few months? It's a case of waiting, really. I mean, sooner than than that, we'll know where all the other GB teams are going. So the women and the under-18 women, 20s and 18s, men, uh, th- those tournaments are decided at Congress next week. So back end of, of next week, we'll know where all the other teams are going. Uh, GB have got a few, and Ice Hockey UK have got a few bids in uh, for tournaments. So so hopefully there'll be good news on, on that front. And then once, you know, it's not long after the, the World Championship is um, is finished, we, we'll find out the world ranking. So you'll begin to get a, a sense of, of where the group should be. I mean, there, there is a tried and tested formula for how the groups work with with the IIHF, I couldn't tell you it offhand. It doesn't always mean it's going to be that way because, you know, and again, I don't know this well enough. You'd have to get someone like Andy French on to talk to you about it. But, you know, let's say one seed one in the, in the world rankings goes with four and seven, nine, 12, 14, 16, whatever, something like that. Mm. They can't do a swap. You know, there are, there are allowed to be a swap. So let's say it suits one nation to be in another group because of geography or, or something like that, so that they can they can swap. I don't know whether there's allowed to be more than one swap with the groups. Uh, that that's something someone who, who's got better knowledge of it than me. But but I wouldn't. I would think you know in in, in not too many weeks uh, we'll know where where GB are going, who's going to be in their group. It's going to be really exciting to see because GB know what it's all about now, and 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 you know they're they're a team who can compete at this level. They stayed up. Well, I said they stayed up two years in a row. That the second year they were up. There was no relegation because of COVID, but they would have stayed up based on their four points, including that relegation time win over Belarus. And ironically, you know, you talk to a few people that that the year, you know, last year when they went down, they played some of their best hockey. That you know, they competed in probably what three of the games and 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 had leads, which sadly they they threw away. Um, but but they showed that it wasn't just like a, a one-off game they could win at a, a top flight. That they, I mean, I know they didn't win, but they were. They were competing against even higher ranked nations and looking like getting results, but ultimately not. So I, I think they go in, will go into 2024 with, with a great, you know, they're going to be underdogs, but but with a great deal of optimism. I can't let you go without asking you about Frank, your online friend from <laughs> North America who came to the World Championships. Tell us how, how you got involved with Frank and, and his experience of being over here. Yeah, it's 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 a lovely story and and one that that just sums up hockey really. So so 2017, we get this email from the contact us form via the Ice Hockey UK website, and and basically it's this gentleman called Frank who wants to know whether there's any radio commentary because he's partially sighted. So I point him towards Seth Bennett's Five Live Sports Extra online commentary, and he and he thanks me for that. And um, 
I think his next comment was, you know, there, there's not any programs, is there? And I said, yeah, drop me your address and, and I'll send you one over. Uh, and there started a, a, a six year friendship on email where we, I don't know, we probably emailed at least once a week, if not more, you know, he, he knew all about my, my, my passions and knew that I was an Ottawa Senators fan. He's a Boston Bruins fan. So we had a bit of NHL, you know, uh, to, to talk about, he, he'd actually been to the UK before he'd been to Nottingham many years ago when he was younger. So he knew about Nottingham. Uh, you know, had an interest, you know, crazily for a North American, had an interest in in cricket, uh, obviously, you know, liked all sports. And what was fascinating is he also listened a lot to to BBC local radio, something that, that I've played a part of in, in my life. So he would he would listen, be one of those people that would listen in North America, but but tune in to different local radio stations. And he'd say to me, oh, I listened to Radio Coventry this morning and and I listened to Radio Nottingham or Radio Newcastle, but enjoyed listening to, to local radio stations in the UK, to, to, I guess, to learn more about those cities and and, and so forth. So so anyway, we, we I say we had six years of emailing, Christmas cards and everything and, and you know, became friends as, as friends could be through through, I guess, like you said, in the old days, it would have been a pen pal. Um, mm. But but obviously now. Uh, a, a sort of email pal. Um, and, and then suddenly, a couple of three weeks before the tournament, he said, I've booked, uh, you're never going to believe this, but I've booked flights to, to come over with with uh, someone who's going to come with me to help me, a lady called Julie, who was lovely as well. Uh, and, and he waltzed into Nottingham on the Friday before the tournament, and I got to spend some some time with them throughout the tournament. Nowhere near as much time as I'd like due to the, the busy nature of the tournament. But it was just, it, I was quite emotional, I'm not going to lie. It, it was lovely. And um, we, we spent some good time together, shared some some good laughs. He, they had a great night out, one night out, when, when him and Julie were, because it was ironic, because uh, Frank had said, oh, if you could, could get Julie to meet the Italian team at some point, that, that would be amazing. So that was kind of on my to-do list. And lo and behold, a couple of nights later, they, they saw the Italian team out for dinner. So they actually bumped into them and, and, and they were buzzing about that. So, yeah, it, it was absolutely lovely. Uh, and, yeah, very special to, 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 to meet someone after after six years of, 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 of sparking up a friendship based on, on ice hockey, which was amazing. And that was Ice Hockey UK media man Chris Ellis taking us into the GB camp there for Elite one more time. We'll have more guests to come, so keep an eye on our social media pages at underscore Elite IH on Twitter and Elite Podcast on Facebook, and we'll reveal who's coming up as the long summer of signings is well underway. We'll also be launching Elite Legends, where we'll talk to the players who turned out for your team in Elite League campaigns of the past, so if there's any you want to hear from, drop us a line and we'll see what we can do. And if you haven't, subscribe to Elite on your preferred podcast provider, including Spotify, Amazon and Apple, where new episodes will drop as and when they're ready. Thank you for listening. I'll be back soon. Elite Hockey, Elite Listening. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.